When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello and welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. My name is Will Gottlieb, and as always on these Bulls HQ editions of the CHGO Bulls podcast, I am here with my good mate, Mark K. Mark Karantzoulis down in Australia. Mark, how are you doing today? William, I am fantastic. Fantastic. I've got a good story for you. I've got a good story for you too. Okay, so yesterday, Bulls played the Jazz, right? Um, my mom usually comes over on Tuesdays to mind my son whilst um, whilst I'm at work and my wife's at work. But on, yesterday, I happened to be working from home and I happened to flick on the post-game show yesterday with you, Matt and Dave, on the big TV. My mom was Uh-oh. downstairs minding my son. What did I, what did I so do we, now? <laughs> we, well, you didn't do anything. But we're all watching the post-game show as a family, <laughs> gathered around the TV watching CHGO Bulls post-game. But <laughs> this is what happened. I tr- I swear I'm not get- I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. I swear this is an actual thing that ha- occurred. But my mom goes, "Oh, are these all your friends?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, these are my friends." And she goes, "Who's the guy on the right?" I'm like, "Oh, just Will. I don't-, I don't think you would know him from anywhere." And she goes, "Are you sure? He he looks like he's an actor or something like that." I'm like, <laughs> "No." <laughs> he's not an actor but i started laughing because and she wouldn't understand the context but i I started laughing because obviously we make a lot of jokes about you being an incredibly handsome man and i say jokes because we like to to joke about it but it it, it is a factual (laughs) statement but uh we like to refer you as kyle corver and all these sorts of all these other sorts of things but um yeah that that actor vibe there you go you're um apparently you look like an actor that is hilarious, and I actually am a paid actor. All my lines are written up pre- pre-show by our our wonderful staff, so I'm glad she uh, she caught the bit. That is that oh, is really funny. But I, I thought I'd just extend the compliment because um, you wouldn't have heard it, but nonetheless, um, I wanted to make sure that you were aware of that, and obviously the listeners now you know too. But um, <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought you were going to say something about how we look related or something because I I feel like oh I, no. I can see that, but um, anyway, let's uh, let's get back on, <laughs> let's get back on track here. There's a whole lot of stuff going on in Bullsland, and yeah. uh, as always, it's it's good to talk about. So, um, first, what we want to do is start out with this news that Billy Donovan was extended over the summer. His contract pushed forward a few years, and then follow up with this conversation from a Ringer story by Michael Pena that came out Monday. 
um, just about like the state, the, the state of the Bulls and uh, where they are, what's going on with them, their future, and um, are they the most, what was it, depressing team in the league? Uh, how yeah. dire of a situation are the Bulls in? So we'll get into that and more. But first, let's uh, let's kick things off with the Billy Donovan conversation. And Mark, uh, you are, I would say, Billy Donovan apologist number one. So I'm going to just kick it to you and, and let you uh, let you get rolling here. Well, this is the sad, sad part of it. Like, I couldn't be happy about it or, or I couldn't necessarily celebrate it because my instant thought was, okay, why are we finding out about this now? Like, all the joy from it, from for me at least, was immediately sad because I'm like, I, I instantly started questioning the process of this whole thing. Like, fine, if they announced an extension and it was an extension that they reached an agreement to today, obviously I wouldn't be having these feelings. But the fact that it was an, an extension that they agreed to seemingly before the season, whether that was literally in October, maybe it was earlier, could it have been in July? Who the hell knows? There's not a lot of detail beyond it, it was extended some at some point during the before the season so like immediately i started questioning why are we finding out about this now why did this not become a thing that we knew about before the season why is this something that uh bulls pr or bulls management or or whomever like why did they not announce this earlier so it's just really strange from that point of view and that's what i don't understand we also don't necessarily know much about the details it's a a multi-year extension but does that mean I don't know what what does that mean exactly. Like those sorts of details, we don't necessarily know. Obviously, we we don't necessarily need to know the the dollar amount behind it as well. I don't know if he's got a, a pay bump at all. I don't really need to know that to to be fair. But like we just don't know much about this. And what we do know about it is, oh yeah, by the way, this at least is a thing that happened at least a month ago. But we're telling you about it now. But we're not really telling you about it now because it's Shams telling you about it. It's not we the Bulls telling you about it. So I don't know. I'm actually kind of annoyed by it to be honest with you because. I we've had to deal with so much nonsense um, or just, you know, the general chatter about Billy and his position and the fact that a lot of his fan base wanting, wanting, wanting gone basically, which, you know, constantly annoys me. But now we've had to deal with that 20 games of noise, which maybe we wouldn't have had to deal with if the team just announced that he's here to stay for a little while longer. So I'm just confused by it all. And I'm just annoyed just by the general messaging of this team. Like they, it's always been a problem, even in the Garpax era that, communication wasn't a great thing and seemingly in this case doesn't sound like it's a great thing either like maybe we'll learn more about it in the coming days and maybe there's a reason why they haven't announced the news but i don't know it's it, based on what we know at the moment i'm kind of annoyed about it and what we know about it is very little so shams yeah. came out with the report uh i think about four hours ago now and basically what he said was that the bulls have signed billy donovan to a contract extension it happened before the season and here is what we need to know. Uh, Billy Donovan led the Bulls to the playoffs for the first time in four years. He has two years remaining of his original four-year contract and is now under contract for, quote, several more years. We don't know what that means, how many more years that actually is. Um, and as you as you said, like, what are the parameters and the, the numbers behind that deal? Um, the weird thing to me is that, like you said, I mean, it happened before before the start of the season prior to the season um mm. and we're just hearing about it now i don't know like why this kind of thing i mean this should be reported if it's not like dug up sooner than a month after the fact like the team needs to let the media know because you're right i mean this yeah. totally changes the way that we talk about the team it's like important yeah. information that i think the team is obligated to to put out publicly um just super weird that 
that we don't know about it. And honestly, it just like makes the media look bad for like not being able to find this information. But at the same time, it's like, how would they know if nobody is talking about it, if they're trying to like keep it some big secret? Um, it is pretty strange that this is how we hear about it. This is when we hear about it. And this is what we hear about it. We hear basically nothing other than it's several more years. Um, mm -hmm. So I think, but aside from that, I mean, let's just look at it quickly from the perspective of like, is this the right move for the franchise? Because for me, you know, we've talked a lot about B Billy. I think he's a good coach. I enjoy talking with him. I think he knows his stuff. I think he is a really strong face of the organization. I think he handles the media well. I think he does a lot of stuff well. Um, I don't think that he is some top five X's and O's tactician. I don't think that he, you know, necessarily wins you games in the playoffs just based on his performance alone. But I've been impressed with the way he's adjusted in games. I think what he did during the Bulls playoff series against the Bucks was really telling that he kind of changed the whole shot profile of the team based on what the Bucks were taking away and what they were giving the Bulls. They were shooting like 53s. I mean, last night against the Jazz, they shot 21. So that tells you just how much Billy is willing to go uh, when it comes to like trying to find ways to win. I think that's really all he's done since he's been here. So I have no problem with this from the perspective of, you know, does Billy belong as the Bulls head coach for the next X, Y, or Z amount of years? Um, I think the the bigger question for me is like, what does this tell you about the, the long term of this group, this core? Um, does this mean that, you know, should we be reading into this idea that, you know, this group is now being extended longer. Does that mean Vooch is going to be back at the end of the season? Does that mean DeMar is going to get an extension? What does that mean for, you know, this whole debacle between Zach and Billy that happened after the Magic game? It's just, it's a little mm -hmm. bit strange. Um, and, you know, I, I felt like the Bulls kind of had this, um, you know, this ripcord after two or three years with the Vooch and DeMar group where yeah. they could you know, go a different direction if they wanted to with those two guys expiring um, with, as we'll talk about now, maybe the ability to trade some of these guys for picks um, and sort of pivot after a few years and rebuild around, you know, maybe Zach and Lonzo and Patrick or whatever it may be. Uh, so I think it's interesting to me. It kind of signifies that the bulls from the top down are starting to build this program that they want to um basically transcend this window of Bulls basketball. And I think that's that's an interesting perspective. And I think it's kind of a, a breath of fresh air when it comes to how this team has handled and managed coaches over the past decade. Yeah, completely agree. So like my, my initial thoughts when I when thinking about this specific element of the, the extension was, okay, this means this group is going to stay together. They're not necessarily going to make sweeping changes or anything of that nature. But then the more I started thinking about it, that's not necessarily true because ultimately, I mean, this could still go a myriad of different ways um, and, and decisions based on that will be variable because of that. So, I mean, what what this does mean is irrespective of what the team will be, Billy's going to be the coach of it, it seems. Now, I mean, that, that sounds to be true. Maybe it is. Uh, again, we don't really know what several years means. Billy's in year three of, of, of a four-year deal. Um, maybe several years means they've just added one more year on the end of that contract. So maybe now he's effectively in year three or five or something like that. Maybe he's in year three or six or seven. We don't know those details. But I guess what it does mean is it's maybe emboldened Billy a little more than maybe what he would have been had he been in year three and a half, let's say, out of, of a four-year deal. Uh, like, like coming back to the Zach benching thing, like does he do that knowing he's in entering like or yeah, he's in year three of, of, of four? 
of that deal or because he's reached an extension that seemingly we didn't know about, maybe he's more empowered to make these sorts of calls. Um, so, like, that's why I'm a little bit frustrated from that perspective. But I, I, I think, I don't know, like, there's still, there's no reason why this team can't change, uh, you know, at the deadline, after the deadline, in the offseason, next season, whatever the time period may be. Like, even if Billy is the coach, doesn't necessarily mean that this this roster has to stay in place. It can't stay in place, as we'll, as we'll talk about it later. I understand that AK is all about continuity, and I'm sure that serves a good piece as to why Billy is remaining. But in terms of the roster itself, I don't think Billy coming back for an extended period, whatever that period may be, really means, or it shouldn't mean that the roster should stay stagnant. Obviously, AK is the the one that will ultimately decide that, but just because the coach is remaining doesn't mean the players have to remain as currently constructed. Yeah, and that's kind of what I meant by, like, Billy now sort of transcends this window, this group of guys yeah. that specifically mm-hmm. is sort of like the DeMar era of Bulls basketball. So we'll see. Maybe it now aligns more with the Zach Levine max contract, which extends five years and sort of mm-hmm. him overseeing that era of Bulls basketball. Um, again, I think overarching thought for me is not too strong one way or another. Um, I, I think what this front office regime has set out to do is make this group, make this organization a little bit more stable and Mm -hmm. really like locking in on a coach is I think a great way to do that. So if that's the direction that they want to go, fine. Like I said, I'm not like out here saying Billy is Eric Spolstra or Nick Nurse or whoever it is, but I think he's a very solid coach and I think he is a great figurehead for the organization. I think he, like there probably are at least 15 coaches in the league who something way worse comes of that Zach Levine benching situation, right? Like he was able to withstand that. I think that's an indicator of who he is as a coach. And I think that's something that the Bulls need in sort of this era where, you know, maybe they aren't necessarily championship contenders, but at least they can be this really steady image that they have not been in the past. And maybe that allows them to then go out and get some, you know, players in the next couple of years that, that might make them a contender that might change the sort of long-term trajectory of the group. And Billy can sort of oversee that. So um, yeah, it's interesting. I think um, kind of strange timing with the, with the news, but no, no super hard feelings about this overall. Yeah, I agree. And look, I wonder if the players even knew, like, I mean, I, I don't know if they need to know these sorts of things, but it, I, I guess just from like, like a pure human, human level, like, I guess because Billy's the one talking to to yourselves, the media, and us as fans, pretty much every day. Like he's, as you said, he's the the main figurehead of this organization. I know AK is in the background running this whole thing, but but Billy's the one that communicates most often to to everyone that's um, connected to this team. Whether it's yourself, the media, whether it's me, the fans, the people tuning in here, listening to us. Like Billy is the representative from that perspective. So I, just on a human level, I kind of feel shitty for him that we couldn't celebrate this more. And, and I say celebrate, like I, I know half the families probably wouldn't be anyway. They'd probably be, be squealing about it and wanting him gone anyway. But like for the, those of us who appreciate Billy, who fully understand that he's not the best coach in the NBA, he doesn't need to be the best coach in the NBA, but nonetheless has done a good job. Like we don't even get a real chance here to say good job, Billy, because he's not going to come out here and, and just go, oh, by the way, Will, uh, hey guys, I know we're, we're gathering here at the... Yeah, we're gathering here post-game scums. Uh, yeah, I know we're meant to be talking about, about the game and all those sorts of things, but I just wanted to let you guys know that the me and the team, we've agreed to an extension. How, how good is that? Like, he's not going to come out and do that. So, 
Like uh, that, that's the annoying part that we can't um, we can't really uh, celebrate it in some senses. But like I said, maybe some people would in anyway. But I'm fine with it. I think stability is a good thing. Um, I don't think Billy's necessarily done anything to not merit this particular extension. I think it, I think it's a worthy extension. I think stability is a good thing. Um, you know, overchanging or changing your your coaches, your management every two three years. That's not how good organizations do things. You need stability. Um, obviously, it can go the other way as well. Like as we've seen yeah. in years part, past, where people stay on too long when they shouldn't, and then when it's not warranted. But in the case of AK, in the case of Billy, I think they deserve to to be around for a few more years. And let's let's respect it and honor it. And, and that's obviously what the team has done. So it, it's all good for me. Um, obviously, people listening in, I'm sure there's there's quite a few of you that disagree. Um, let us know if you do so. Yeah, I think the other just interesting note here is to to think about this in terms of how long the average coach lasts with his team. And I think usually that number is five or less. And so to now lock yeah. Billy in, that sort of secures him in on a, like I said, a two-term basis. Um, and it'll just be interesting to see how the the Bulls iterate moving forward if this group does sort of wane or fall apart or transition at a certain point. Um, and we'll, we'll get into more of that. But first, quick word from our sponsors. Mark, can you tell the people about ComEd? Yes, I can. ComEd is an energy efficiency program committed to helping families and businesses in communities where we serve save money and energy. ComEd offers free facility assessments that can help find energy saving opportunities, whether it's lighting, HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. An authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. These can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours. So within three to four weeks, customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they can start working on immediately. Each recommendation will include any estimated energy savings, cost savings, project costs, potential incentives, and simple payback systems. So you get all of that information pretty good stuff so don't wait get started saving money money and energy today for energy saving tips and to schedule your free facility assessment go to comed.com slash powering biz if you're ready to sign up for a facility assessment call uh call comed on on 1-855-433-2700 during normal business hours to speak with a comed energy efficiency program rep or you could email them at business ee at comed.com or requested an assessment online on their website at comed.com slash facility assessment. Also want to give you guys a quick word from DraftKings. DraftKings is our sponsor for NBA betting. And with the season heating up, there are still so many unknown storylines, whether it's the Bulls extending their head coach in secrets or uh, playing the Golden State Warriors coming up who are looking like they are finally catching form or the Kings, the game after that. And they're shooting light beams into the sky when they're winning 15 straight games. So when I am looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. 
The more likes you add, the bigger the boost, and the bigger your shot to win big. So download the app now using code CHGO. Place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on any NBA team. If they win, you'll get $150 in free bets. That's code CHGO only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, Let's transition now into this bigger overarching question about the Bulls, um, which was initially brought up by Michael Pena in a story from The Ringer yesterday, Monday, titled The Bulls are the NBA's most depressing team. Chicago has backed itself into an unenviable corner and possibly the worst situation in the entire league. Changes could be coming soon. Kind of funny now looking at it. Uh, with that headline yesterday and then learning today that Billy Donovan was extended. Uh, so maybe not those kind of changes in the form of head coaching. But um, yeah, this kind of had the internet ablaze. I feel like the Bulls have kind of been so middle of the pack this year with the exception of that magic game where things kind of really took a turn for the worse. Uh, they've kind of just been skating sort of unnoticed outside of the the limelight and it occurs to me that this article was probably written right after that magic game and just didn't come out for a couple weeks later because uh, in the, in the first paragraph, it said recent wins against the Celtics and bucks aside, Chicago's present day is uneven and regrettable. So, yeah, I mean, I think at the time of writing this or when I assume Michael was writing this, it felt a lot worse than, than it was. And I'll, I'll be honest, I was working something very similar in terms of, you know, where the Bulls go from here. But it's an interesting situation to look at now. Um, I think especially now that they've put together, you know, three and four, gotten that record back up to nine and 11 and are two and one on this road trip. Um, the Bulls are not contenders. We've we've talked about this. We know this. I've already said it on this show. But I do think there's this narrative that teams have to either be all in going for a championship or all in going for the first pick in the draft and there's no middle ground. But at the end of the day, one team gets the first overall pick, one team wins the championship, and there's maybe three, four teams on the periphery that are in competition for those spots. And that leaves like 22, 24 other teams in the league that have to find a way. And I may not agree with everything that Arturis has done over his time here sort of running the show in Chicago, but I think one thing that I cannot really argue against is the fact that he took a swing, picked a direction and went with it um, because that's something that the Bulls just have have lacked for the last, you know, however long since um, Gar and Pax were in charge. So it is a, sort of a, a broader question about process over results here, I think. Um, certainly with the Bulls first round pick, top or protected going to the Magic this year, they obviously traded Wendell and the 2021 pick, which became Franz Wagner. So that trade happened and then the Bulls also trade away their... Uh, 2025 top 10 protected pick for DeMar DeRozan. They also got a protected pick from the Blazers coming back in in the Larry Marketing sign and trade. So really only out one more draft pick, um, one net draft pick. It's tough with the injuries, but I'm just curious, Mark, like your overall thoughts on this story and, you know, Bulls are 9-11. Is this like roughly where you thought they would be at this time in the season, 20 games in? Uh, more or less. More or less. And the, the reason why I say that is it's, it's, it's less about record. And to me, it's more about like things like net rating, point differential, those sorts of things, which are, I mean, more relevant than record at this stage. It's, it's still a small sample. It's still only 20 games. Nerd. And 
and it's so influenced by strength of schedule, which is a thing no one talks about. Like the Bulls have had one of the more toughest strengths of schedules to start the, to start this season. Like for example, like the, the Atlanta Hawks and the Bulls have very similar net ratings and very similar point differentials, but the Bulls have had a significantly more difficult schedule. So, and like think about the Indiana Pacers who at the moment sit fourth in the East with a what, 12 and eight or 13 and eight record after beating the Lakers yesterday. Like, did anyone expect that? And do we expect that to hold? Maybe we do, but at the same time, like they've played one of the easiest schedules in the NBA too. So we have to wait schedule against the results that we've seen early in this season, which has literally just been a month at this stage. But we not, we never do that. We just look at record. We look at 9 and 11 and we think this team is bad and terrible and everything should be blown up. Everything is depressing. The world sucks. Um, the balls suck and you know everything should end. But that, that's not true from my perspective. At the, at the end of the day, from a point differential perspective, the balls are basically flat. They're even, which is predictive of a team that's around 500. Now, that's based on the teams that they've played at the moment. Again, again, a very tough schedule. Maybe that point dif- differential starts to tick up as the schedule light- starts to lighten. Maybe the record starts to reflect that. And then we start feeling a little bit differently about this team where they are more, more reflective of a 45, 46, 47 win team. Maybe that happens. I don't know. Time will tell. But I guess my point is, to, to write something like this, that the Bulls are the most depressing team in the league, I mean, my issue with it was just the premise is false because Michael Pena, who I like, he's a good writer. I, I enjoy writing, his, uh, listening to his stuff uh, on podcasts. I enjoy reading his stuff on, on The Ringer. But his premise essentially was the Bulls are bad. They're depressing. They're the most depressing team in the league. They need to pivot. They need to tank now. And he goes on to mention that they need to trade, you know, DeMar and Levine to sort of initiate that tank, which, and, and by doing so, you, you receive back, you know, future numerous picks, you, you kickstart another rebuild, all those sorts of things. So that's fine. I don't necessarily disagree with that as a strategy. Like that's something maybe that we ultimately get to anyway. But how can this be the most depressing situation in the league if you're able to offload your guys for positive value in a sense if you trade DeMar for a couple a couple future first-round picks, as Michael sort of illustrated in his post, if you if you get some stuff back for Zach Levine, uh, Vooch is obviously an expiring contract. You're not committed to him beyond this season. Like, if you can turn this team around effectively overnight, then how could this possibly be the most depressing team in the league when there's teams that have gone literally all in who have traded the entire bag to get to their whatever their respective position is? They don't necessarily have a... A better outlook than the Bulls. Like, how how is this the most depressing team in the league? So, like, that's the part that annoys me the most. That the, the just the general premise of it is is completely false. Yeah, I think it comes from a place of kind of what I said before in terms of like the Bulls are lacking a, a contender ceiling, and they've sort of bought in on having that outlook. But I don't even think that's necessarily the case. To your point, I think they could easily, if they wanted to, and we can talk more about whether they will want to, if they did want to sort of flip DeMar and potentially Zach or Vooch or, I mean, Caruso could probably get you a pick if you if you really wanted yeah, to definitely. move them. I still think Patrick yeah. is a really valuable asset. You know, I don't I don't see the Bulls trying to look or trying to move him, but Io could also be a, a player that teams look at. Uh, they've got a ton of guys that are good players, and I think that's sort of a a space that the Bulls haven't been in over the past however many years. Like they, they basically flipped Wendell, their, their only real good prospect into um, an all-star center. And, you know, they had to attach other assets to it, but like 
that is kind of how this thing goes. And there are always teams that are going to be willing to buy on stars. We've seen it time and time again, whether it is the Bulls going for Vucevic and DeRozan or the Hawks going for DeJounte Murray or the uh, the Timberwolves going for Rudy Gobert or the Cavs going for Donovan Mitchell. These guys always get traded. And it seems year after year, the price gets higher for them. The, the leverage that the trading team has gets stronger and stronger, stronger and stronger in terms of you know, giving up star players because those are at a premium. So I don't think that the Bulls situation is that bad. And like, really, really what this argument comes down to for me is not about how good the Bulls are or whether they have championship ceiling or how injured Zach and and Lonzo are. To me, it's more about, oh no, what if the Bulls have to give up a top five pick? What if they give up the fifth pick to the Magic? That's worst case scenario. Like, is that really the worst place to be. I mean, it sucks. Don't get me wrong. I would not like to do that, but the bulls have already given up that pick. So where it ends up is, is in their control to the sense that like they perform well and they can make that pick less valuable. They perform worse and it becomes more valuable. So I don't know. I think it is a bit silly to look at it that way because at the end of the day, it is a sunk cost that that asset is out of their, their ownership. Like they, that's, they don't have it anymore. So why would the value of that draft pick being stronger or weaker, depending on the first 16 games of the season, why would that dictate and determine your outlook for the remaining 65 games of the season? To me, I think that's just kind of a weak argument. And if your argument is more about, you know, whether you're in the market for championships or, or bust, um, that's a fine conversation to have. I think, you know, obviously we're all hopeful that the Bulls can win a championship at some point. It doesn't seem likely that that's going to be with this group, but I think the process of building a franchise back from just the wilderness and mediocrity and really the wrong side of mediocrity and being sort of a laughingstock around the league, like you don't just turn from that into a championship contender with a couple of trades like overnight. It doesn't really work that way. You need to take steps and and build on that. And I think that's really what this Bulls window has been. And so when we talk about Billy having like a second term as head coach, I think it's really more about that second term and where the Bulls go from there. Now, it sucks that they don't have the assets to really keep building on what they have internally. But to your point, Mark, they have players that they can flip into assets. And it would not surprise me if, again, if they wanted to, and I'm not sure they do, I doubt they do, but if they wanted to flip DeMar or Vooch or Zach into assets, I think they would end up with more assets than they shipped out to get those guys. Yeah. And look, there's so many layers to this. And we're going to spend the next part of the podcast as well talking about this as as well, because there's so many different variable um, actions to this and so many different ways we can take these conversations. But to that point, like, I think that it was part of the strategy. Like if things don't work, you still have good players. So even though you're giving assets up now in the, in, in, in whatever time period it is, whether it's in back in 2021 for Vooch, whether it's now in 2022, 23, whether you're trading at DeMar, Zach, Vooch, whoever it may be, like assuming those players hold some sort of value, which clearly they do, especially DeMar coming off the, the, the season that he had last season, the season that he's still having, like you still can get to a point where at worst you get to a neutral, uh, a neutral position from a, from, a, from a draft pick standpoint. They're only out net one draft pick from here on out assuming, you know, the Bulls give up the 23 pick to the Magic, maybe they get the 23 
the pick back from the uh, the Blazers. Like that's a net impact of that's zero effectively. Now obviously we'll wait and see where those picks land. You may give up that twenty five pick up to the Spurs, but if you if you wanted to sell now, like it, it, the Bulls could be in a real situation where they have a surplus of picks. Um, so, like to your point, like th- this isn't as as dire of a situation as people like to make out. Like for, 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 for a number of reasons. One, something r- really, really shits me to tears is when people tell me that the Bulls have gone all in. No, they have not. They have not gone all in. We spent all off season whining about this team not using all of their exceptions available to them. They let the Tice uh, exception expire. They did not use all of their mid-level exception. They couldn't use their biannual exception because they stupidly wasted that on Tristan Thompson last season. We know all of that. We know that they didn't go close to uh, exceeding the, the, the tax line. They probably never will. So from that point of view, they, 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 they will never go all in because they're never going to exceed the tax line. And beyond that, they didn't trade all of their picks. They traded a couple picks, a few picks. And like you said, like the, the net impact is they're out two picks um, because they got the Portland play coming back from the Larry trade. So like the Bulls haven't gone all in. So that is something that continuously annoys me when people mention that. Um, but like again, coming back to your point, like if they can have this period of time now, irrespective of how it goes, like whether it's a whether you want to define it as a success or not. If after two years you wanted to blow this thing up or retool, whatever you want to call it, you can get back into a position when you have a surplus of picks. So this idea that the Bulls have gone all in, that they screwed themselves for the next five to ten years, that they're the most depressing team in the league, like it's just a dumb premise when we know. And then like Pina suggested in this article, if you can flip things, if you can flip your guys for real stuff and, and commence a, a rebuild if you wanted to, and you get back into the surplus, then then how is this a bad situation or the most depressing situation in the league? Like that's that's the part I just don't understand, I guess. Yeah, I think you don't understand it because it isn't real. It doesn't make sense. Well, um, yeah, I mean, but I mean, having said that, like a lot of people and look, I was reading a lot of the comments on Twitter, like whether it's underneath the um, the ringer's post of it under, you know, Pina's uh, tweet of it. Like a lot of people, whether in direct replies, quote tweets, whatever the situation may be, like even for me responding to it, people responding back to me, like seemingly a lot of people agreed with what he wrote so I, I think that's another thing here like a lot of the fan base whilst you and i can sort of you know t- uh get somewhat annoyed about it or suggest that it's not necessarily a a well thought out piece or that the premise of it itself is not or is flawed a lot of this fan base we, and we have to recognize this a lot of the fan base seemingly agree with what uh, he's written here that the fact that this team needs to blow up what they're they've currently got in place that being a uh, I don't know, a middle of the road team, sixth in the East, seventh in the East, eighth in the East, whatever it might be. Like, that's not good enough for some people. And, you know, a lot of people do have championship or bus mentality, which I find absolutely stupid and ridiculous. But nonetheless, a lot of people feel that way. So I think, you know, whilst we can sit here and say this is a thing that we don't agree with, a, a lot of Bulls fans do, which uh, I find interesting. I find frustrating, but nonetheless, it's a thing that exists. Yeah, and I think like even if I were to put on my most pessimistic hat here, which admittedly comes out from time to time, just thinking about these things and what the direction of this team really is, I I think at times they do feel like they're kind of spinning their spinning their wheels a little bit. Where you know they, I mean, it's really like it comes down to this this what was it four game losing streak streak, right? Where they no. just looked miserable and like they had this tough stretch to start the year where they had back-to-backs and Zach Levine was sitting out and they were just kind of keeping their head above water. And then all of a sudden you finally get some time off in between games. You lose to the Pelicans twice. 
you lose to the Nuggets, and then you have this unexcusable loss to the Magic, right? And I think that is sort of the where this comes in because like a week before that, people were talking about, oh, well, when Lonzo comes back, I mean, these guys are pretty good. They're overperforming. They've beaten the Celtics now. They've beaten them now twice. Uh, they competed with the 76ers who, you know, they still haven't beaten Joel Embiid, but like they're right there. Uh, they beat the Miami Heat. They beat like all these good teams they weren't capable of beating last year. And don't get me wrong. Again, I think that this team is far from contending status, but I do think that they can have a really strong future if they continue to play the way that they were, you know, to start this season uh, with the exception of, you know, a few games here and there, and then sort of banking on this idea of health. Now that's sort of another area where I can understand the frustration. Um, but again, you're kind of like, you're kind of locked into it now with, with that part of it, which is like, you're not going to trade Lonzo and get something back in return that is better than, the potential of what Lonzo could be if he does come back. Um, you can't just like say Zach Levine had a knee surgery this summer and 20 games into the season, he's still not looking like peak Zach Levine. So like the future is over. I think you just have to give, give these guys some time because I, I do think that the process has shifted in a way and credit Billy Donovan here. The process has shifted in a way that does make them a little bit more sustainable. I think they've had, a really tough schedule. I think they've had really bad luck in terms of opponent shooting. Um, Matt Issa tweeted today that despite a 9-11 record, the Bulls currently have the eighth best luck adjusted win pace in the entire NBA right now. So I think they are, I mean, we had those games where like the Celtics hit nine three-pointers in a row to start and they were just getting like blitzed by this unlucky, irrationally high opponent three-point shooting. I think you have to factor in some regression there. And again, I, the Bulls are not going to win the championship this year, but I do think that they have gotten a little bit unlucky and that they're a better team in a lot of ways than they were last year, certainly than the end of the season last year. And I also think it's okay to have these periods where you are just getting better, even if you're not the best. I think that that is kind of where it comes down to is like, are people okay with building something slowly or do they need to just jumpstart to, you know, being the, the 2015, 16 warriors? Yeah. And look, I'll say this whilst I completely disagree with the premise, whilst I completely disagree with fans that want to see this happen, want to see this roster tear, tear down and into a rebuild, all that sort of stuff. What I will say is if the Bulls don't maximize what they're doing here right now, I can understand the the frustration. And in some senses, I do have that frustration. We can point to the shooting of this team, the fact that the, the front office didn't really address that at all. Like if you're not maximizing this team or you're not using all of your particular assets to make the best possible team you can, then I, that I understand. And that's completely warranted in being frustrated about that. And, and maybe at a certain point in time, if, if, if it does come to pass that the Bulls need to to retool this roster and for whatever reason they don't, they just sit on their hands and they continue this continuity thing even though it's proven that maybe this isn't the right strategy going forward. Like if, if the pivot opportunity is there and they don't take it and they continue doing what they're currently doing, they bring back Vooch, they they bring back Kobe, Io, Javante, they, this whole team stays together, they don't necessarily add to what they're building here. At that point, I will be annoyed. But I'm not going to be... <laughs> I'm not going to be angry about something that hasn't happened right now just for the sake of being annoyed at it because there's still a lot of ways this thing could go. So 
I, I guess I'll say that more generally that I, I maybe at some point in time in, in the coming months, coming years, I will be annoyed by certain inactions that happen, but I'm not going to be annoyed about it right now. So uh, I just wanted to, to make that clear, but I, I just don't think the well, I, I think let's, position... I want to talk, yeah, I ahead. want to dive into that more, more deeply because I think that is an area where it's kind of related to this idea that you had brought up, which is that they have not yet gone all in. But I do think yeah. it's a fair criticism to say, like, why haven't you done more to try to improve on the core that you've seemingly committed to? Hmm. Um, Definitely. I, I think that's a really fair criticism. I also think Dragic and Drummond have been way better than I or anybody else thought that they would be. I mean, where would this team mm-hmm. be without Goran Dragic right now? Uh, yep. Probably a lot worse than their record is right now. So I do think that they have made strides to improve. Um, I don't think that those strides have necessarily put them in, you know, even top six in the East outside of the play in range. Um, so it is tough to think about it that way, but uh, I, I really do agree with what you're just saying in terms of like, well, what happens if they continue to double and triple down on this core, which is, I would say in the range of mediocre, right? Like give or take a little bit, either direction. Uh, what happens if they re-sign Vooch and re-sign Damar and just kind of keep things going status quo? I think that is where you start to get a little bit frustrated because now you're not building anymore. You're just stagnating. I think, as I've said, the whole point of this era is to keep building and building and putting these, you know, these levels together and trying to, to build off of that. If they're not doing that part of it, I think that this is a different conversation. Um but that's that that kind of brings me back to the point of well they still have a 27 and 29 pick that they can trade out they still have a a pick coming in from the blazers that if they wanted to they could trade out they're going to be able to create cap space at some point in the future depending on what kind of the money that they want to give to Vooch and Io there are avenues to um to improve this team they have some young players that i think will get better it's not perfect and they definitely overpaid for Vooch they probably overpaid for DeRozan in terms of what he cost at that time. Certainly he has um, outperformed his contract. And like, if I have to give up one draft pick to get DeMar DeRozan, by all means. But at the time, they probably didn't need to do that given his other suitors and the cap situation around the rest of the league. That's fine, but that's a different conversation than this team is the most depressing and the most hopeless in the league. Um, mm-hmm. Where I still think that they have avenues both to blow it up and and rebuild and completely transition out of what they're doing or add talent to this group. But I want to see it go one of those two ways. I prefer that they they try to keep building because it's a lot more fun to watch a good basketball team. It's better for business. It's like more fun to talk about. It positively affects my life uh, than if they were to just like rebuild and go into another five years of trying to get the number one draft pick. But mm. They, they do have to keep going in one of those two directions. I think that is a fair criticism. But again, we haven't gotten to that point yet. No, completely agree. And um, you mentioned it's good for business. And I certainly feel like that our friends at game time certainly want the Bulls to continue, uh, to, to, want the Bulls to be at least good because that's probably good for ticket sales. It's probably good for everyone involved, to be honest with you. So I want to tell everyone about our friends at game time who – if you don't know who they are, they are the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, shows, whatever it is you want to go see. Game time, have you hooked up? So have you ever dreamed 
sitting courtside at a Bulls game, whether you want to be at the 50-yard line at an NFL game. That's a thing that happens. <laughs> Behind home plate at a baseball game. That's another sport people follow. Maybe you want to be at floors at a concert. It's possible all of that with the Game Time app. The Game Time app is the biggest last-minute uh, app that you can find. The biggest price drops anywhere for any seats you want to buy. You won't find a better deal this season for your Bulls teams, your uh, your Bears teams, whatever whatever freaking sport you follow. Get on the Game Time app. Use the Game Time app to get your hands on some last-minute tickets. This is a site created by fans for the for the fans, which guarantees the lowest price for all tickets. So if you love CHDO, then you will love Game Time. It is the best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description of this podcast. Join the over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats available to all your favorite events at a low, low price. You mentioned uh, the best way to support us, and I think the true greatest way to support us here at CHGO and what we're doing and where we want to get to as a company is to become a CHGO diehard member. So recently we released this new program. We've decided to take down the paywall at allchgo.com so that you guys can read 95% of what we're writing, whether it's me covering the Bulls or uh, Vinny on the White Sox or Nick Moriano on the Bears. Whatever it is, we've got you covered in terms of writing, but we really wanted to expand what it means to be a CHGO diehard member. And so in addition to our daily podcast and live shows, in addition to our post-game shows, in addition to our premium written content, becoming a CHGO diehard member means discounted prices on all of our merch from the CHGO locker. You get a free shirt when you sign up. You get invite to a members-only Discord. And you get discounts on all of the events that we put on, whether it is tailgating Bears games on Sundays or uh, Bulls game takeovers, where we're going to have a bunch of fans come and hang out with us at a bar and then bus over to the United Center and all watch the game together. So we are trying to put on uh, great events that really bring together the Chicago sports fan community, and we want you to be a part of that. So consider signing up at allchgo.com. Beautiful, beautiful. And look, before I really interrupted us with some ads, uh, I guess coming back to this, like the way I think about this is it's it's not even about where you sit as a team and, and as a record, but like what are you doing to – and you, you started touching this as well. Like what are you doing to maximize yourself as a team? Like there's very different ways a team can be a 500 team. Like you can be a 500 team because you're extremely disappointing. You haven't maximized what it is you're trying to achieve. Or you could be overachievers and you've hit 41 and 41 as a record because you you as a team have gone over and above what was a reasonable expectation. And we've seen that in Chicago a number of different times. Like think back to those amazing years. Um, well, amazing in the sense that the way the team fought, maybe not amazing in the sense that, you know, they obviously had lost, lost Derek Rose from an injury. But like when they won 45, 46 games in 2013, 2014, whatever the year may be, point to whatever, point, point to whatever example you want, like, those teams overachieved and that 45-win season felt like a lot compared to, say, uh, was it Fred Hoiberg's first season where they won 42 games or whatever it was. Maybe they were 500. I don't remember off the top of my head. But, like, that team clearly underachieved because they didn't make the postseason despite making it the postseason before and effectively having the same roster. So, like, there's varying ways in terms of teams can have the same record, I suppose. So, like, I think I get another thing that irritates me about this is, like, people point to – 
oh, this team's a mediocre team or it's a 500 team or whatever the situation. And then they immediately prescribe that as being bad, which I don't think is right as well, because as I just sort of illustrated, like there's various ways that you can be a 500 team. Like think about the Brooklyn Nets. This current Brooklyn Nets team might finish for 500, which would be a disappointment compared to maybe the team before Durant came about, where it was just a bunch of role guys doing their thing. And they got to 500 and with the seventh or eighth seed, whatever it was under Kenny Atkinson, they made the postseason with a bunch of, uh, you know, relative nobodies, let's say. Like, that's a different level of 500. So I guess what I'm saying is if the Bulls can be a 45, 46-win team and, like, that's ultimately their ceiling, but they hit their ceiling, then there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't know, I just don't understand why people have a problem with that. And it comes back to what we sort of started talking about before about championships or bust or the, this reality that that should be the only goal. And if you're not doing that, that you're somehow losing or you're depressing as an organization – I just fundamentally will never understand why that is the case with the with with fans more generally. And like I said, like there are Bulls fans who agree with that methodology or that mindset. I will never understand it. Maybe someone could explain it to me at some point in time and if, if it will finally click to me as to why that is the case. But I just don't get that concept at all. And and this is another thing that I wanted to bring up where like even if you endorse tanking, like Given what the bull situation is and the fact that they don't control their pick, and, and, and bringing this back to what Pino wrote, like this idea that the Bulls should be tanking this season when they don't control their pick, to me, is like the most egregious and irresponsible thing that you could probably do as a franchise, like blowing this entire thing up, trading all your guys, and and um, effectively, like we like to think of this pick that they've, that they've sent out to the Magic, this 2023 pick, is a sunk cost, but. It's not a sunk cost if you suddenly change your strategy to then be geared around this pick again, which is what is effectively is what Ma Pina is suggesting they do. So I wanted to spend some time talking about that. Like this just this general concept of tanking when you don't own your pick is possibly the most dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I mean the the way that they've flattened the odds in the NBA now, it becomes really difficult to guarantee you'll be a top four pick, even if you end up as that one of the top four teams in the draft lottery. So I do think that's really difficult. On the other hand, I do see the, the argument of like, and especially this was true when they lost that game to the magic and they're six and 10 facing the Celtics, the Bucks, um, you know, all these really tough teams in this tough road trip coming up and they have a chance to potentially, you know, finish in 16 or something like that. Um, I get the argument that like, you know, it would be worse to continue on tricking yourself as if you were, you know, going to make the the playoffs or even the play in when you're clearly not headed that way and you do everything that you can to, to continue winning and then still get the magic, the fifth pick. Like I do think that would suck. And there's a world where if they wanted to, like we're talking about, they can, they can trade those guys and give themselves a chance or maybe even pick up additional assets along the way for, a Demar or a Nikola Vucevic or Zach Levine even, um, they they could that and I and I get that argument because championships do matter to me. Like I want to see a team that competes, but um, yeah, I mean I, I think it's just it's difficult to to plan for that sort of thing when the pick is already out the window. Um, when this front office has really, you know, not not gone all in like we've talked about the the difference between what they've done and actually going all in but they've invested a lot of resources into this current group and so it would surprise me if they thought to themselves 
you know what, let's just try to recoup some of our assets and see if we can't get into that top four. Like, I do think there's a path there, but I, I kind of doubt that's the one that they'll take. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess I could see either direction with that. But again, I think that they've invested so much and they believe in what they have. And they're still waiting to see if they can get healthy and what they look when they're healthy. Because, I mean, to your point about overachieving and playing well, even if you're not going to win. I mean, look no further than last year's polls, the first 60 games. Like that wasn't a, that was yeah, a contender, exactly. but they were, they were yeah. having like the most fun anybody's ever had playing, playing basketball. I mean, it was awesome. So exactly. I think, yeah. I think it all comes back to this idea of building for the long term and reestablishing the bulls organization um, in the NBA and just being a real team and acting like a real team and, and trying to go out and sign free agents when, they, when you can. And, you know, I think they have work to do in all of those departments. But again, we're seeing positive growth, progress in the right direction that they hadn't seen in so long. And I think, yeah, especially when you're looking at this in contrast to sort of the last era where there was just, I mean, basically the whole idea was to like tank not acquire any additional draft picks and just the only value that you have is the weight of your own draft pick. Like that's not, that's not the way to do it. If you're going to do it, you got to be Danny Ainge getting a million and three draft picks from the Cavs and the Nets for Royce O'Neal and the Timberwolves. Like you're going to have to do it that way. And, and I think you you do kind of have to, to make a decision and go a certain direction, um, whether it's for the top or the bottom and I would much rather do that than actually being in the middle because I think there's a difference between what the Bulls are doing now and even like where they were during the three alpha season when they were actually in the middle. Yeah, uh, all, all, all good points. But I, again, just from like a game theory point of view or a strategy perspective, like we, we've seen over the last four or five years that tanking, like it's a strategy which you don't have a lot of control in. Like, let's be real. Like, you have control in how many picks you may have in a certain draft, but in terms of where those picks fall, who's available for you at those for certain picks, uh, even if you make the right pick, maybe it doesn't eventuate the way you, you hope it does, as we've seen again. Like, there's just not a lot of control in that strategy. There's even less control in such a strategy when you don't necessarily own the rights to your pick, depending on when that pick falls. So maybe I would feel differently about going for a rebuild if maybe the Bulls did have control of their 2023 peak. But given that they don't, it's a very fraught strategy from, from a number of different reasons. But coming back to what you sort of started saying, like about, uh, or maybe this is what you were inferring, or at least what I inferred from what you were saying. But like, I guess the, another thing that really annoys me about national media types having perspectives of bull on the Bulls and they're not understanding where this team or this franchise is going or like this article suggests that they should blow this thing up because it's the most depressing thing in the league. They just don't understand or unwilling to understand, or maybe they're just too ignorant to the context surrounding this. Like the bulls were, if they weren't the laughing stock in the NBA over the last five, four or five years, that was certainly in the bottom two or three. Maybe because of the Knicks' existence and, and uh, you know, the Kings before they actually seemingly became good like they had this season. But maybe there's a couple other contenders for that uh, for that belt. But right now, like, we're, we're, a decent, we're a decent organization. Maybe that's not enough for some people, but given where we were in the previous four to five years, which was 
basically NBA hell. Like that to me is NBA hell. Not winning 45, 44 games, whatever it might be, and making the, the playoffs and losing the first right round. That That's not hell to me. What we experienced over the previous four to five years was hell. So if you're endorsing a situation where the team, you want us to enter that again, and that may be a reality again, because again, like I said, you, you can't control the draft. You can't control the tanking strategy. Uh, you can tr- control elements of it, but not the wider strategy itself. So the thing that annoys me is like when you're suggesting that the Bulls need to blow this thing up and go for another rebuild, you're kind of ignoring that we've literally had one good season of basketball. Prior to that, there was like four or five years of bad basketball. You're telling me that my franchise needs to go back into that pit of being bad for another four or five years. So I've effectively spent the last 10, 12 years of my life supporting a franchise who's just sort of gone into aimless rebuilds because that's supposedly what they need to be doing because this is this current situation is depressing. So like, I just, that, that, that part of it annoys me as well. And this fact that I don't know, people, you said it before as well. Like if you're not tanking or if you're not going for a championship, people don't understand or don't know what to make of this, you know, this franchise, whether it's the balls or whatever, whatever team it might be. Like they don't know, they don't know what to do with that. So the, the automatic, uh, uh, conclusion is the Bulls need to blow it up or whatever the situation is. And just that logic as well is such a, it just irritates me. It's, there's so much fallacy surrounding it. So I, I guess that combined with the fact that they don't think about where this team has been, where this franchise has been and where we are now. And the fact that this isn't a nice, quiet reprieve to where we have been to then ask fans to sort of suggest that we need to go back to where we were, which the first two, three of your years of a rebuild are always terrible. Maybe it ends up better. Maybe you get better prospects than Larry Market and Wendell Carter, Kobe White. Maybe you do land the next Luca, but maybe you don't. And maybe you end up with the same situation that we're in anyway. It's just going to be stored out five years more. So that's another thing that annoys me about this, that the national media don't necessarily understand the context of where we've been, where we're going, and ultimately where we're hopeful of going. Yeah, I mean, it's like the the narrative around the Kings and the Knicks are like, oh, they haven't made the playoffs in however long. Like, let's all laugh at them. But then if you do things the same way, if you if you are trying to win um, that, and, and you're not winning at the level that you want to, then they should just go tank and be like the Knicks and the Kings. It's like it's it's circular logic. And um, yeah. again, I, I understand if you are championship or bust like I I think that I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I understand it. Um, and I think there's just, there's more ways to win than that. And like you said, you're not guaranteed anything by tanking, certainly with the new um, lottery system and the flattening of the lottery odds, it just becomes really difficult. And then you look at it from the perspective of like who the bulls have drafted over the past decade. And you're telling me that they're going to like get a surefire, you know, maybe they get, they do get Wemby and like things totally change, but like the odds of that are so small. Um, Maybe they were a little bit higher when the Bulls had just lost that magic game and could have gone another direction. But I want to just take these last couple of minutes to now look ahead, given that the direction that they're now on since that magic game, they've won three out of four. They've beaten the best students in the East, the Celtics and the Bucks. They've had a nail biter against the Thunder, who are playing a lot better this year. And then they beat the Jazz last night. Um, I think that they, that, so here's another thing is like they, the Bulls are, winning games in a way that they did not win last year, right? Um, mm-hmm. They're beating yep. good teams. They are defending at a much higher level. I'm not sure how real 11th. 
the 10th or 11th defenses. Like we'll see how real that is. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, they're losing games in a way that they didn't last year, which is clutch games, which is um, getting to the free throw line at the same rate. So I think, and then um, just like bad opponent shooting luck. So I think I am, you can kind of like ask the question two ways, which is, do you believe that the stuff that they've already proven that they can do will turn around? Or do you believe that now they've lost that and they're not going to be able to beat these bad teams anymore? And I think it's more likely to say that they will start to find that aspect of themselves that two and eight will two and eight in the clutch will turn more towards what it was last year, which was like the best or the second best clutch team in the league. And that what they've established of being already really good at this year will stick. So I think that this team will be better than a nine and 11 record or the, the winning percentage of a nine and 11 team the rest of the way, they might have stretches where they're a lot worse and people will get frustrated and try to blow it all up. And I think that that conversation is a lot easier to have after that magic loss um, when you are outside the play in tournament and they still are, they're still outside the play in tournament. But I think that conversation is a lot easier to have early on in the season when there is still scope to go that direction and when um, the rest of the league is already like a little bit ahead of you. But these losses mean so much less early on in the season in terms of what the record is because one game now shifts you three games below 500 or for like there's a big difference between doing this five or 10 or 15 games in the season versus we lose a game. We're going a three game losing streak 50 or 60 games into the season. So there's a lot of time left. And I think by that time when they do have to make some decisions on the trade deadline, like the record will have normalized quite a bit and they'll start to look a little bit, I think better than certainly what their record is right now, because I think they're playing better than that um, and have just come some bad luck. But um, Mark, I don't know if you have any difference of opinions there when it comes to like what this team is or what the upside or your expectations for them are the rest of the way. But I think as we get, you know, later on in the season, this kind of take will look a little bit, I don't want to say silly, but like it just won't have the same uh, strength of argument because I think this team will just be better. Yeah. Look, I I feel similarly. And like I said, from the top, we're 20 games into this thing. It is a decent sample, but it's still very early. And the league is all over the place at the moment. Like, like I said, the Indiana Pacers are fourth in the East right now. Who, who imagined that happening after 20 games? The, the Miami Heat are under 500 right now. Does that mean that they should be blowing up their team as well? That they're over the cap? They don't have uh, a very youthful roster themselves? What, what should they be doing? Should they be blowing things up? Maybe they shouldn't. I'm not, I'm not suggesting they should be, but like it's, it's very early. Like Similarly, the, like the Utah Jazz, only a couple of weeks ago, were at top of the West. They're now outside of the playoffs in the West. So much can change so quickly in the NBA to the point where where if people want to be making grand decisions about the strategy of over, overall team perspectives based on a very small sample of data, like very a lot of things would be looking different. Like the Warriors were one of the worst teams in the West a couple of weeks ago. All of a sudden now, they're 11 and 10 and they're back in the playoffs in the, uh, for the West. Like so much can change so quickly. So this idea about completely changing what it is you're building after a 20-game sample, to me, is just generally kind of dumb, to be honest with and you. And I think... The, the narrative along with it is so so much more powerful, right? Like the Kings win seven in a row. That is actually really impressive. But 
they've not lost three games in a row. They're now 10 and nine, which is like, you know, roughly the same record as the bulls, right? It's like just on the other side of 500. Um, But like that narrative from early on in the season, when they were winning a lot of games is way different. I think same with the blazers, same with the Mavericks, like the Mavericks are, that have lost four straight games. They're now outside the play in tournament at nine and 10. Is that like a, mm-hmm. a better or worse situation? Than the Bulls? sure. They have Luca, but they've never been able to put real talent around him. They traded Porzingis who now looks a lot better. Uh, they're still out future draft picks and the clock is kind of running on a transcendent superstar who, mm-hmm. you know, who, who knows what's going to happen. So I think these narratives just, they, you kind of like like a snap judgment about a team early on in the season based on how they perform. And for some reason, the Bulls four game losing streak stands out more than beating the Celtics twice and the Bucks. And I get it. Like it's frustrating when they have these losses, like they should not have lost that Spurs game. They should not have probably lost to the wizards in their second game. There are going to be these games, certainly not the magic, but at the end of the day, it's a very long season and these things change very rapidly. The Bulls have now won three of four, the nerve is swinging back the other way, and I think it will continue to do so, you know, depending on how the rest of these games go on their road trip. So we'll see. The next game is uh, Wednesday night against the Phoenix Suns, who are playing really well um, after they looked like they were going to completely implode last year in the playoffs <laughs> and had, like, their crazy narrative of the offseason and Jake Crowder's sitting at home and weird Instagram posts and DeAndre Ayton still doesn't want to be there and Chris Paul's injured and all these things. So... A lot can happen. They've got the Warriors on Friday and then the Kings after that on Sunday to close out the road trip. Um, Matt and Dave and I will be back with you guys pregame for tomorrow's show prior to the Suns and then postgame after. uh, And we'll be back on every day. Mark, I will next talk to you maybe at some point for a postgame show, but we'll do another HQ episode probably next week. Um, Anything else you want to add before we uh, sign out here? I love you, Billy Donovan. Woo! Billy! Woohoo! You heard it here first, first folks. Um, all right, well, this has been CHGOVL's <laughs> podcast with Mark and Will, the HQ edition. Speak soon. Bye.